All right, today is Pentecost Sunday, as you've heard us say. And today we, we wrap up our series of messages, Alive and Well, Hope for Mental Health. And I want to continue that I want to continue to acknowledge that I've been drawing on material on mental health from Saddleback Church and Mark Batterson. And Pentecost Sunday is so appropriate to, to end this series because as we are filled with the Spirit and, and draw on His presence of power, we can find that peace and healing in the midst of the mental health challenges that we all face at some time or another. But before I unpack that, let me tell this story as a way to introduce our last message in this series. Michelangelo's masterpiece, David, is on display for anyone to see at the Galleria dell'Accademia in Florence, Italy. And thousands of tourists visit for hours every day to, to get a glimpse of it. Now, the picture I'm showing is a, a little more discreet than the statue itself, as the statue displays full genitalia, which was not scandalous in 1501, but is today. And so Adrian wouldn't let me show the whole statue. That's not true. That was my decision, but I'm sure she wouldn't. Anyways, so people just flock to see this masterpiece of Old Testament David, and most who go there, they, they fail to notice that there's a series of unfinished sculptures that line the corridor on the way to David. Like petrified prisoners, they're, they're forms, they're, they're identifiable. A hand here, a, a, a torso there, a, a, a protruding leg, a part of a head. The, the statues were intended to decorate the tomb of Pope Julius II, but they were never finished. It's almost, you know, as if these sculptures are trying to break free and become what they were intended to be, but they're stuck in stone. Michelangelo himself called them captives. As we've been going through this series of messages on mental health, we talked about the reality that many of us feel like captives. You just can't seem to break free from habitual sins, habits, addictions, and thought patterns that have held you back and held you down. A dream that God conceived in your spirit years ago hasn't taken shape the way you want it to. You know who you want to be, what you want to do, where you want to go, but you can't seem to get there. You're stuck. You're feeling broken, in bondage. But what I know and what I want you to know is that God wants to finish what he started. We've talked about the fact in this series that the journey to mental wholeness, there are three enemies you face. The world around you and the values that our world is pushing. The devil, Satan, comes against you and enticing you with wrong, uh, to make wrong decisions, filling your mind with junk thoughts. And then there's the battle within you. And I want to end this series by kind of pointing the finger at you and me and acknowledge that you are your own worst enemy. I am my greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is not Satan. It's not the world. It's you. You are your greatest problem. You want to run away from all your problems and go to Cancun or that cabin in the woods. However, the problem is you take you with you. All that internal stuff inside of you, it goes with you wherever you are. The writers of the Bible teach that if you are a born-again follower of Jesus, you have two natures. You have your old nature that wants to do what is fun, what is convenient, but not necessarily the right thing, but the best, not the best thing, or, or even what is good for you. I mean, think about your life experience so far. You know for certain 
that there are things that would be good for you, healthy for you, and you don't do them. And you know for certain that there are things that are bad for you, uh, unhealthy for you, that mess up your life, and you do them. You might want to read Romans chapter 7 on your own sometime. That's where the Apostle Paul tells the story of the battle he has with sin as a follower of Jesus. Listen to what he says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I hate what I do. Hey, that's the story of you. That's the story of me. If you were actually able to do all the good things you know to do, you'd be a whole lot more successful and happy in life. But friends, it's not just doing it. I mean knowing it. It's doing it. There's this battle we have because we have this natural resistance inside of us that just wants to do what's easy. There's this drive to go for easy in us. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Joe Sangle here to talk about a biblical view of finances and giving. And one of his key themes was, before you go into a new month, you need to decide where every dollar is going for the next month. In other words, you need a budget. How are you doing with that? Hey, we reject budgets because we have an inability to delay gratification. And budgets force us to delay gratification. We want it. We want it now, whether we can afford it or not. So we go out and put it on our credit card, even though we know we can't afford it. Now, I don't think it matters which party you elect on this, but truth is our government has been doing this same thing for years now and has ramped this up over the pandemic. And now we have a financial crisis with runaway inflation, growing interest rates. And for uh, some of you, it now costs like over 200 bucks to fill your truck. All because of the ability we have of buying things we do not need with money we do not have to impress people we do not like thinking that we can have it all. Let me just tell you, you can't have it all. Life is about choices. You have to make wise choices about what's best and what's right and what does God want for me. And let me tell you what you already know. Best intentions are not good enough. The truth is the battle for you the battle inside of you. Hey, most of your unhappiness in life is because you listen to you instead of God. And when you listen to you instead of God, God so, you know, so often you unleash these weapons of what I'll call self-destruction. You, you've heard all about weapons of mass destruction. Well, there are weapons of self-destruction and all of us, all of us have experienced these at some point or another. Let me quickly list a few of these weapons that you are allowing to destroy your life. That is, this is just a sampling of many, but they are part of the battle for you where you are your own worst enemy. First is shame. You live with shame. You cannot be happy and feel ashamed at the same time. When you feel ashamed, when you feel guilty, when you feel regrets, that just robs all your happiness. God doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty. God doesn't walk, want you walking around feeling ashamed. God doesn't want you walking around with regrets. In fact, that's why he sent his son Jesus to the cross to die for your sins, to cover your shame. Next, uncontrolled thoughts. Negative thoughts flood my mind. If you don't learn how to control your thoughts, your, your thoughts are just going to ruin your life. 
Because you say stuff to yourself that causes unhappiness, causes grief, causes pressure, thoughts that are just self-destructive. You must learn how to control your thoughts. And then there are compulsions. Compulsions are those inner drives, inner desires. You can call them lusts. You can call them habits. You can call them impulses. They're the things in your life that you feel like, I I just had to do it. Even though you knew it was wrong, I just had to do it. Let's talk about hopelessness. Hopelessness keeps you from keeping, uh, yeah, it just keeps you from keeping on, right? When you start to feel hopeless about anything, you get discouraged and you want to give up. If you feel hopeless about your marriage, if you feel hopeless about ever getting married, if you feel hopeless about your finances, or you feel hopeless about your health, hopelessness is a self-destructive weapon that you use on you. When you turn it inward, it robs you of God's plan for your life. I could keep going on and talk about fear and bitterness and insecurity and on and on. These are all weapons of self-destruction. They hurt us. They rob us of the life that God wants us to live. All these weapons of self-destruction are why the Apostle Paul says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where we want to go with what remains of this message. We want to look at the answer that is found in Jesus Christ. We want to look how to push back and, and, and be set free from, from me and, and from the weapons of self-destruction that I use to destroy my life. And the Apostle Paul, he goes right to the answer of all this in the next chapter of his letter to the Romans in Romans 8. This is perhaps one of the most important chapters in the Bible. We'll only scratch the surface by looking at a few key ideas, but I encourage you to read Romans 8 over and over. It's deep and complicated, but the truth there will set you free. So what does the Apostle Paul want me to know about how I can be set free from me? How? Firstly, I just remind myself daily what Jesus did for me. I must remember that Jesus died for me every day. Paul starts off by pointing to what we'll be celebrating through communion in a few moments. He writes, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation means God doesn't judge you. Not at all for all of the things that you've done wrong. That is, if you've trusted Christ. Because Jesus took all that judgment on the cross. He doesn't have to judge you because Jesus was judged. He doesn't have to condemn you because Jesus took your condemnation. He took your rap. He took your penalty. He did your time for you. When you come forward for communion in a few moments, remember that Jesus took all your condemnation for whatever you've done in the past, in the present, and get this, things you have yet to do in the future. The blood of Jesus covers it all. And hear me. Some of you really need to hear this. This means that God doesn't get angry at you when you sin. Did you hear that? God does not get angry at you when you sin if you belong to Jesus because he's already taken the payment for that sin. This is so, so important. Now notice, it doesn't say that after I become a Christian, I won't sin. You're still going to sin. It doesn't say that I'm not going to make mistakes. You're still going to make mistakes. It doesn't say I'm not going to fail and look stupid. You're still going to fail and look stupid. 
It just says that you're under no condemnation. In other words, you don't have to walk around with shame. You don't have to walk around with guilt. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he not only paid for the sins that you committed last week, last year, in your entire life, he's already paid for the sins that you're going to commit tomorrow, next week, and the rest of your life. They're already paid for. That is good news. That is very good news. No condemnation. That means there is no reason for a Christian to walk around in shame because I stop and I remind myself, Jesus paid for my sins. He already knew before I was born every sin I was going to do and he paid for it. Next thing I need to do to win this battle within me is, is I embrace the truth that Jesus gives me a new power greater than willpower. The Apostle Paul continues, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, you, you cannot simply read these words of Paul and say, Yeah, I believe. You must embrace these words. You must embrace this truth and seek God's power to empower you because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have Jesus in you. He fills you through his Holy Spirit. And on this Pentecost Sunday, you need to ask for the filling of the Spirit and ask every day for this is where you will find the power to overcome. Before you were a Christian, the only thing you had to use against your bad habits was your, well, your sheer willpower. And how long does that work? Really, not that long. No, he says there is a new power in you, a, a power greater than willpower. And let me pause right here and say the, the way you embrace your faith and the way you activate the power of your faith is, is by your obedient actions. You ask Jesus to forgive the sin in your life. You invite him to come into your life. But what does it look like to be a committed follower of Jesus? You do what he says. And the very first thing you do after you make a decision to follow Jesus is you do what Jesus asks you to do and, and you announce your decision for Jesus publicly through baptism. For faith to become real and powerful in your life, you do what, what Jesus has asked you to do. And that starts with getting wet in a tank of water or a lake or a river. And yeah, you see this tank here right out? It's out because we have a baptism service next Sunday that if you have not been baptized now, is your time. The writers of the Bible, they just want to let us know that the act of baptism is a very powerful act. Baptism glorifies God as you announce publicly that your faith is not just words, it's real. Guys like the Apostle Paul cannot imagine anyone calling themselves a Christian and not being baptized. Baptism is a step of faith and obedience on your part that unleashes the blessing of God on your life. Remember, how God the Father was so pleased when Jesus was baptized by John. If you want to experience the pleasure and power of God at work in your life, start by doing what Jesus asked you to do, be baptized. Let us know. We have four scheduled for next Sunday, and we would love to add you. Okay. Even with the Holy Spirit, here's the problem. We face these weapons of self-destruction we, we face sin and temptation in our lives. And what so many of us do is we face them by relying on our own willpower rather than on God's power to change. God's power is available. 
It's pure craziness not to access that power. When you want to change things in your life, it's, it's not just if it's to be, it's up to me kind of thing. It's not just my own willpower. It is God's power in me. I have been given a power greater than willpower. So ask God for it and access that power. And one more thought as we continue to read these words of Paul in Romans 8. I must ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. Friends, this is like one of the most powerful things the Holy Spirit does in us. This is a prayer that God loves to answer. This is a key to permanent life change. Listen to these words of Paul. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Friends, there are two kinds of mindsets. There's the mindset of your old nature, and there's the mindset of the Holy Spirit. There's the mindset of the way I, I, I normally think about my life, and there's the mindset of how the Spirit sees my life. Which one is going to be true in your life? There is a choice i got to make. Am I going to set my mind on the way I normally think about my life, or am I going to set my mind on the way God thinks about my life? Paul tells us the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. How many of you would like to have life and peace this summer? I, I sure do. I, I would like to have life and peace this summer. And it's all about the mindset you choose. The economy may not change. I think it's probably to say, safe to say that if it's not COVID or monkeypox, we'll always have some other health disaster to deal with. I, I don't think this kind of stuff is going to go away. Some of your problems might not change. The circumstances you're up against might not change, but your mindset can change. And that's the difference between a life of self-destruction or a life of life and peace. This is the Holy Spirit's answer to uncontrolled thoughts. What I do is I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. Well, when I got something negative in my mind, I, I ask the Holy Spirit to replace that thought. You say, I want to stop smoking. I, I don't want to eat a cookie. Oh, I just ate one. I, I don't want to eat another one. I just ate that one too. When you run up against those kinds of mind blocks, you, you get your mind off of the cookie and you ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and just change the focus of your mind. Think about something else, something positive. Think about Jesus on the cross for you. The key is not to resist the thought but to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to refocus. If you want to break any bad habit in your life, the key is not to resist, but to refocus. Whatever you resist, you know, it, it persists, it hangs in there, but because you keep focusing on it. You simply realize that with the Holy Spirit in you, filling you, you have God's power living in you, and he gives you the ability to say no as you refocus with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why the, Paul, that's why the Apostle Paul writes... Let the Spirit direct your lives, and you will not satisfy the desires of human nature. Now, if I let the Spirit live through me, does that say that I won't have any of those desires? No. It says I won't satisfy those desires. In other words, do I still have the same desires as I had before I was a Christian? Yes. Do I still have the same temptations? Yes. Do I still have the same urges and compulsions? Yes. Do I fulfill them? No. Why? 
because I have a new power inside of me and it's not just willpower anymore. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together and remember what Jesus did for us, that he purchased our wholeness, our mental health, our physical health, and that because of his death on the cross, he, he gave us overcoming power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So today, Pentecost Sunday, as we wrap up this series, I, I want to invite you not just to have Jesus living in you, but to be full of Jesus, to be full of his spirit, to be filled with the power of God. Our God does not want you living with shame, uncontrolled thoughts, compulsions, fear, hopelessness, bitterness, and insecurity. There is a power to overcome these weapons of self-destruction, and that power is the Holy Spirit. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day. You have to ask God to empower you every day. Every day, because quite frankly, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we leak. And we've got to ask for fresh power, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit every day. And with the Holy Spirit filling me, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. With the Holy Spirit filling me, I embrace this new power that is within me to, to say no. With, with the Holy Spirit in me, I remind myself every day what Jesus did on the cross for me. And, and because of the cross, all of this is possible. Before you are our communion stations with these packages of bread and juice. Bread that represents the body of Jesus nailed to a cross to pay for, to atone for the sin that so destroys us, and juice that represents the blood that cleanses us from the mess sin gets us into. So in a moment, as an act of declaration that you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to invite you uh, to come forward. On this side, you'll have to make your way around the tank. That's not a problem. You can do it. But anyways, come forward, and as you come forward, ask Jesus to fill you with his spirit and give you that power that comes from his blood to live a healthy whole life, a life that flourishes now and forever. Just ask Jesus to just to fill you and give you power to live well. And then take that package back to your seat, peel off the first layer, and eat the bread and give thanks to Jesus that the life you yearn for was purchased by Jesus on the cross. And then peel off the next layer and thank Jesus for the life-changing power of his blood as you drink the juice. He, here's what the writer of the letter to Hebrews says about communion. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Would you join me in a time of prayer? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to take the words that I pray and kind of turn them into your own prayer. So yeah, pray with me, but make this your own personal prayer. And we'll just invite the Holy Spirit to fill us anew this morning. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, and give me your power. I confess that I have tried and failed by using my own willpower. I need your power. Holy Spirit, I, I need you. Holy Spirit, come and fill me to overflowing. Just, just ask him to do that right now. And Jesus, thank you for making this life of wholeness and victory possible because of your death on the cross, because of your shed blood for me. As I come forward for communion, I acknowledge that I believe in you and declare once again that I am your child. 
as I go back to my seat and eat that bread and drink that juice, I declare that I, I need you to save me, to, to cleanse me, to empower me to live for you. And I thank you that my life can change for the better because of what you did on the cross. I, I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, and I declare this all to be true for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.